Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Boston Sanctuary since 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the Boston metropolitan area and beyond. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. We're located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets in downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. It is such a pleasure to be here, such an honor and a blessing. I especially want to thank Lois and Desmond and Rob for helping this morning lead the service earlier in the chancel here with me. The reading that I offered this morning as a children's message was, of course, meant for all of us, not just for our kids. It was intended to offer us the possibility of something of worth that we Unitarian Universalists might take from the Advent season, which begins now, today, for Christians all over the world as they await the coming of Christmas. The Advent countdown marks the four Sundays prior to Christmas and culminates for Christians, including Unitarian Universalist Christians, with the legendary birth of Christ on Christmas Eve. Advent is a time of waiting, a time of mindfulness, a time of spiritual preparation and joyful anticipation. Some Christians, awaiting the arrival of Christmas, are preparing themselves spiritually for both the first and the second comings of Jesus. For millions of secularly focused people in our culture and for a lot of Unitarian Universalists, such as the suburban UU family of my childhood, and certainly still for millions of children all over the world, the waiting from now until Christmas has primarily to do with a certain big guy with a red face and a white beard who wears a red Santa suit and has a flying sleigh full of toys pulled by magical reindeer with whom he makes the rounds so miraculously on Christmas Eve. And while we wait for the coming of Santa, we shop and we party. We wrap presents, we send cards, some of us, to our entire address book listing. We decorate, we bake Christmas goodies and cook delicacies. Some of us who are lucky enough to have jobs might attend holiday workplace parties. Some of us plan large holiday family gatherings. And some of us in the past have shopped until we dropped, either in stores or online. And some of us even are still doing that, even in this grim economy, for the perfect gifts to give as our way of letting our loved ones know that we care about them. Some of us, at least in years past, have gotten so frantically obsessed in Christmas preparations that in doing so, the underlying deeper meaning of the holiday has been all but lost. I admit it. There were Christmases past when I myself succumbed to overdoing the holiday. As a young mom, I wanted to provide just the perfect holiday for my young son, anticipating his eyes popping with Santa's generosity and the magic of finding a stocking empty the night before, stuffed on Christmas morning with special gifts, evidence that Santa Claus had indeed visited our house in the night. And I wanted my stepkids to know how much we loved them 
measured by the humongous size of the pile of wrapped presents under our richly decorated tree, and the groaning board filled with Christmas delicacies that took many, many hours of shopping, cooking, and baking. For some, the holiday season may bring dread, dread based on unrealistic expectations, too much on the to-do list, and not enough money to shop extravagantly, or even maybe at all. The season may bring tension or sorrow if our lived reality does not match some Norman Rockwell or advertising-driven idealization of a warm family Christmas. Perhaps we have lost our jobs in this very tight economy, or maybe we're alone for the holidays following a death or divorce, or just out of a sense of loneliness, or maybe our families just don't live anywhere nearby. For some, the dread is based on embracing an alternate identity other than that of the dominant culture. One may be Jewish or Hindu or Muslim, for instance, in a United States that is still Christian-dominated culturally. The coming of the holiday season, for those of us who don't share that Christian identity, might even bring anger or emptiness or sorrow or some feeling of being rejected instead of joy and a sense of renewal, which is a deeper interpretation of the holiday, whether or not one is Christian in identity or leanings. Next week, Senior Pastor Kim Crawford Harvey and I will lead a workshop for anyone who would like to unplug the Christmas machine. If you're among the people who has a tendency to overdo it at Christmas time, or you have a yearning to simplify, or the upcoming season feels like it's bringing you sadness or worries instead of joy, you are especially warmly invited to join us and to make time for this reflective conversation here at church. I hope you'll join us after our Sunday service next week for this rich sharing and the setting of intentions to do the holiday a little differently this year with more sanity, more health, and deeper spirit. One of the things that I did in preparation for today's service was to watch the entertaining and enlightening video by Morgan Spurlock entitled, What Would Jesus Buy? This film, which is both pointed and funny, available to you on DVD if you're interested, explores addiction to shopping, particularly at Christmas time, decrying rampant commercialism that has replaced togetherness, love, and affection over the past several decades, and it is actually quite an amusing film. It speaks of how material items acquired by excessive spending have come to represent love in our culture. And the upshot is a world in which people trample each other, cuss each other, spit on each other, even kill each other, trying desperately to snag the bargains. Reverend Billy, who's the star of the film, goes to the shopping malls with his Stop Shopping Gospel Choir. He has a bus tour that goes all over the country. And he preaches an alternative message of economic justice, environmental protection, anti-militarism, feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, and caring for the sick. The film coaches shopping addicts to ask themselves these important questions when they're out in the stores, tempted to buy more stuff. Why am I here? Do I need this item? 
How will I pay for it? Where will I put it? And what if I were to wait? This year, the news told us that there was visibly less chaos, less traffic, less retail madness this past Friday, Black Friday, the day when supposedly many retailers make it into the black for the first time all year, the biggest shopping day of the year, supposedly. Still, there were crowds and a rush for the hottest toys again this year. Who decides these things anyway? And there was at least one mob trampling incident again this year at a Toys R Us store in Clarksville, Tennessee, near Nashville. May, a day after Thanksgiving, come when more people think more deeply about the true meaning of the upcoming Christmas holiday, and we spare ourselves such insanity and injury. We are given a garden to be tended. May we learn a better way to tend it and feed our own souls in the process. Social activist Dorothy Day, an American journalist and founder of the Catholic Worker Movement, who taught, wrote, organized, and prayed in the early 20th century, had this to say about what the season is about. She wrote then, and it still fits so well today, that it is still the way of the world that Christ seeks shelter, except that Christ is not the Jesus of 2,000 years ago, but rather the poor and the downtrodden of today's world, the victims of war and of greed, of illness and of poverty. And giving shelter or food to anyone who asks for it or needs it is giving it to Christ. Christ is always with us, she wrote, always asking for room in our hearts. So as we wait for the season to unfold, we can choose to work to make love and hope and peace and justice and joy everyday realities in our lives and in the lives of people everywhere. None of us can do it all, of course not, but we can do something. And we gain joy and power and effectiveness doing it together in community. And here's the good news. And I myself think that perhaps this is the nugget of the whole message Jesus brought to this planet. And that is that we are capable of doing just that. Yes, we can. Global warming, the commodification of basic human needs such as clean water and adequate nutritious food, the continuation of human slavery in our time, sweatshop labor, the suffering of immigrant workers, such as the people who are here with us today, taking on the mighty Hyatt hotel chain, health care for all, marriage equality, warfare ongoingly instead of learning how to solve our differences peaceably, racism and segregation in our communities, and so many other justice issues call to us. We will never have peace without justice. And while we wait for the coming of a better world and the coming of Christmas, we can help prepare the way by learning and organizing and acting together in love, coming from the place that is our best selves. The shortening of the days this time of year 
with the coming of winter brings darkness earlier and longer nights. Some of us, deprived of light and sunshine, may feel sad, SAD, Seasonal Affective Disorder. Those with this syndrome are people who need the light, who need the sunshine, who need the love of us all. If you are among them, try to get yourself one of those special full-spectrum light bulbs and get yourself out into the daylight when you can so that you might feel better. And come and talk to somebody here at church about your feelings. Come talk to me. And the rest of us can be gentle and understanding of your feelings. Another way to look at this darkening time may be to fancy ourselves like seeds or bulbs wintering over before blossoming, or like the mammal creatures who hibernate. Life sometimes needs a time of rest, a time of mindful self-care, for rejuvenation and for renewal. We might take advantage, welcoming the coming darkness, the shorter days, to go within, simplify, go deep inside ourselves, as the song we just sang offered, meditate on what it is that really matters in our lives. Today's reading said, we are waiting. We are waiting for love to be born. We're waiting with hope for peace to arrive. We're waiting for a rebirth of justice and joy in the human heart. We are waiting, but not only are we waiting, for while we wait, we can work. Let us be mindful. Let us work to make love and hope, peace and justice and joy everyday realities in our lives and in the lives of people everywhere. Let us prepare for that this Advent season. In a world of intolerance, might we help each other to learn and practice acceptance even when love may seem scarce or elusive, might we ourselves offer some up anyway to a broken world. May we cultivate joy as we do so, a sense of privilege to be able to do so. Gertrude Mueller Nelson writes in her great book entitled To Dance with God, Family Ritual and Community Celebration, these words, during Advent, we are invited to be vulnerable to our longing and open to our hope. And I ask you, where better to do that but right here? Let's talk with each other about our vulnerabilities and about our hope. Let us welcome the growing darkness as a time of nurturance and a time to formulate a new resolve. Let us remember the light as a source of hope and wisdom, knowing the blossoms are coming. Let us learn to love each other and ourselves better than we have. Let us dance and sing and celebrate in the coming holiday season. I wish that for you and for everyone. May it be so. Amen. And now, while remaining seated, let us join our voices together quietly, but with great spirit, maybe even prayerfully, to sing hymn number 55, Dark of Winter, number 55 in your hymn books. <laughs> 